Okay, we're back with another edition of Kente Corner, a special, very special preseason look. And we have the specialist guest I can think of. Ben Standing is with us today. Ben, welcome back to Kente Corner. Uh, Bobby, I always appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm currently in my house. You were just asking me where I was. I'm in my house. I'm in my kitchen. My cat is currently vomiting on the floor. I'm really hoping this is not a harbinger of what's about to come with this podcast, but that, or that, the that season, a, or the season, right? Or the season. Hopefully, he's just uh, he, he's uh, you know just just uh, you know not feeling not feeling feel nervous. Maybe it's for the season as opposed to feeling truly upset about what's about to happen. Okay, well, hopefully your cat can figure it out before the Hoyas tip off tomorrow night against Mount St. Mary's. Ben, you and I were both this past Sunday, although we usually see each other uh, at FedEx Field. We got to get together this Sunday, uh, Georgetown, the Thompson Center, Georgetown's campus. Um, Georgetown, probably one of the last teams around to have their preseason media day. And we were both there. We got to talk to, there was, I believe, five players available. They had McClung, Akinjo, Pickett, Yurt7, and Mosley. And then Coach Ewing came out as well. Um, ben, anything that sort of stood out from talking to the kids? From talking to the kids, um, probably not a not a ton necessarily in the sense of like they didn't make any you know splashy headlines or anything like that. I, this was the first chance for me at least to be around Yurt Haven, uh, and you know it's a very interesting dynamic. You and I have talked about this before. How like in the JT three era, like a lot of the kids seem to have sort of these low wattage personalities that sort of mesh with the coach himself, the Austin Freemans of the world, Otto Porter and so on. And then once in a while we get this sort of like one off, like a Markel Starks, we're like, whoa, where's this guy from? This guy's got a lot of energy. And you're Taven, and it's not necessarily the same as uh, under Ewing. I mean, you know, uh, Kinjo's got, got some spunk to him and so on. But like you're Taven, really from a personality standpoint, big smiles, outgoing, Seem to you know view the world nothing but positives, unlike you and me. Uh, he seemed to have a really good, uh, really good attitude. And obviously, it's preseason; nothing's happened and all that. But just as a as a person, he seemed like a like a fun guy to be around. And obviously, for a team that still has a bunch of young kids, you know, name of those guards, you know, they're, they're going to need. And, and what Mosley is the only senior, I think, or the only senior who's been around the team at least. And I'm not counting the, the yeah. grad transfer, but uh, the. So, so to have a you know some a guy an upperclassman with experience, and obviously he's he sounds like he's a talented player, but also just have a guy who you know maybe maybe this carries over and he offers some positive uh, uh, vibes even when you know there's going to be some rough patches no matter what for any team, and uh, you know that that seems like an interesting dynamic. So so that's probably the thing that stood out to me the most just in terms of you know being around them in this setting. Yeah, speaking of the setting, I thought actually. Georgetown did a pretty good job as compared to the last couple of years where they had all of the players up front. Like it was, you know, like a post game press conference type of thing, but then they moved them to the back of the room and you were able to get, you know, a one-on-one if you were talking to someone by, you know, depending on how many reporters were with you, there was chance for one-on-one, you know, two-on-one. There was, there was some chance, I think for some better stuff. And I don't think you were over with me. I went immediately to Omir and one of the more interesting quotes, I think, that came out of the day was 
talking about how did you handle the year off and what was it like knowing you weren't going to play and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, cause these guys have been playing forever. That's what you do. You play from youth league to high school to college. And he was an all ACC type guy. Um, one of the quotes that stood out the best was last year, we saw a lot of what we shouldn't do in a sense, because we lost so many games, <laughs> which I think is a really, you know, even though it was, you know, they were, they were better in Patrick Ewing's second year, they still, you know, fell short of the NCAA tournament, ended up losing the first round NIT at home. I thought that was a pretty funny quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no doubt. Um, one, one thing also to sort of like bring it more to the basketball, but to, to focus on your table in particular, um, I think I asked, and, and I think I asked to the panel and then to the group and individually to, the, to some of the guards, like, hey, no disrespect, Jesse Govan was a hell of a player, certainly statistically, offensively, he did a lot of good things. Yada yada yada. But what's the what's the thing that maybe Omir is going to bring that 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 helps you guys out? And they and I, I think it was a Kinjo and McClung or uh, whoever it was. They they discussed that he brings a toughness uh, factor, the you know a, a presence inside like that. And that was definitely one thing that we I think all kind of noticed about Govan. I mean, even if he would get some rebounds, he just you know this was he, he was he he was big man you by association, not by. Uh, he wasn't really connected to the way we view that term back in the day with with those guys. And I don't, you know, again, I'm not saying your Taven is Ewing, Morning, Matumbo, et cetera. But in terms of like being a 6'10 guy, being a big man, and being aggressive inside is something that they didn't have as much last year. And Govan struggled defensively. I mean, you've talked about that many times. So, you know, we'll see how your Taven does on that round. But at least I think that was an interesting thing that they talked about his bringing this like sort of toughness edge that uh, you know they, they didn't have as much last year. Yeah, um, the same thing. So Amir was a player that I spent the most time with, although I did bounce around and catch, I think, almost everyone. I don't think I got Jake and we, we ran out of time. But I basically asked him, I said, look, you know, everyone's sort of, you know, everyone looks at you as just stepping right in for Jesse. And, you know, you got to practice against him for over a year. What are the differences? And he did basically say the same thing. He said, I would say, he, you know, he said that he looks for sort of the contact down low. He said Jesse was more of a finesse player. He would, tr- he said he would try and go around the defender. I like to go through the defender, hopefully get some contact, get the and one, get the guy in foul trouble. You know, none of these guys, I know I was with you when we were talking to McClung about it as well. It was, there was no disrespect to Jesse. Players have different games and he just wanted to stress that his, his does seem to be that way. And we're going to get a chance to see it starting tomorrow. But that, that that seemed to be the overall thing. Ewing, you know, said the same thing. You know, much respect to Jesse. He's here four years. He's a great player in program history. But these guys are different. And I think everyone is sort of looking towards that to be the difference is the ability to, you know, just play sort of tougher down low, I think is basically whatever on, on both ends. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, <clears throat> for sure. Uh, so, yeah, so it was it – was, it was interesting. I echo your sentiments on the the production value of the of the session from from Georgetown. I thought they did some good work there. Important to note because I've crapped on them in the past many times. I assume I can use the word "crapped on" in this. Uh, high use whatever word you want. Podcast. Well, you know, it's a highfalutin uh, podcast you guys got here. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I don't want to uh, sully it. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was true. Um, so I had I, so obviously. We, we, you know, the, I don't even know. I haven't seen an official poster yet. I'm imagining if there's an official poster, 
you know, maybe Mosley's on it because he's a senior, but in a certain sense, you know, Akinjo, McClung, and Yurtsaven are the are, are the main people that you'll you know you'll see pictured most prominently when the, whether it's Georgetown's uh, stuff or other people's. Um, but I have a I won't say this is a prediction, but I, I do have a thought here as to if we're really discussing Georgetown, like what's their upside this year? I, I think there's another player who determines it besides those three. I mean, those three have to play well and all that, but I think there's another one who could determine whether they actually go higher up than you know, significantly higher up this year. Okay. And he was there on uh, Sunday. Jamarco? I think it's Jamarco Pickett. Absolutely. Uh, God, I hate agreeing. This is the worst. Could you say something oh, else? I'm so, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I'll, I'll start making fun of your shoes in a minute, and then we can get you mad at each other. Um, Or make fun of mine. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, but like I so like I you, you know you mentioned like after the, the 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 they were all together and they were all doing their own individual sessions I went over to Jamarco at one point and uh, it was just me and him I think for a couple moments and I, I said hey basically look uh, you know I mean this nicely but you didn't seem to build on the promise of your freshman season last year what happened right and he basically admitted that he starts he started thinking way too big that he started you know he he you know hearing the the, the NBA talk and that led to him, you know, getting outside of his, you know, outside of his own reality of what he should be. And that he thinks that's going to be different this year. And, you know, obviously it's easy to say it. We'll see if that's true, but if it is, I mean, he really, you know, that, that freshman year potential wise, uh, you know, he really did at times look like he had some of those NBA goods. Obviously we all, we've talked before about the, you know, the Kevin Durant physical comparisons, not the, the playing comparisons about just the long arms and the ability to shoot. And, you know, if you're telling me right now, you've got the two guards, you've got your Taven, you got an aggressive power forward. You got some, uh, so, you know, some backcourt depth they had that, that they lacked in, in the past year, particularly a point guard. Boy, if that kid actually looks like the kid as the, we saw as a freshman, but you know, now a little more mature, I mean, that really could change the dynamic of what this team can do. Uh, and, and and put them up another level. So I'm not saying that's happening. We've got to see it. I don't like to, yeah. you know, especially with these college kids. You got to see it before I start like running around making projections. But uh, but yeah, I think he's something to keep an eye on. I mean, the the, the the definition of an X factor, I would say. Yeah, I think too. I think obviously when you look at the guards he played with as a freshman, I think we're talking about Momore and Dickerson. Obviously, Jagan was there, and there was you know Blair was a freshman as well. But I think just I think everything changed as far as trying to learn to play with, you know, ball dominant guards, both McClung and Akinjo have the ball a lot. And I think that it took a while to kind of for everyone to sort of mesh in and, you know, whereas he got so many more three point attempts. So he just had the ball more because on that, on when he was a freshman and, you know, Blair was almost a 10 point a game guy too. Like someone had to score. You know, so I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you add up what Mulmore and Dickerson averaged, and then you add up what McClung and Akinjo averaged, and you look at the shots and, you know, the ball possession, I mean, it was just completely different. So, he, you know, Pickett was just playing in two completely different teams, as everyone was. And, you know, he, I actually got a chance to talk to him by himself as well. And, you know, he was talking about how important he thought the Bahamas trip was and just, you know, how much he thinks he can play anywhere from the two, three to the four and he's willing to do anything. And he feels he's really matured and all, you know, all the kids are saying all the right stuff. 
which is what you expect at the preseason media day. But with him, I think it does matter more because I, I do think he is a big part too. Because And that sort of gets me back, or that sort of brings me to the next point is if you had to pick a starting five today, it's not nearly as interesting as it was last year to speculate because the three freshmen that were on the all-freshman team, McClung, Akinjo, LeBlanc, your savings definitely starting. And then it sort of comes down to, in my mind, is it going to be Pickett or Mosley? And at the end of last year, we were seeing Ewing go with Mosley. So it's sort of, what do you want to do? Do you want that third guard in the more of a traditional guard in the lineup? Because you've got Allen and Blair coming off the bench, or do you go with Pickett and then you've got three guards off the bench? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it's going to be Pickett, but we'll yeah, see. I mean that's certainly more of the traditional look. I, you know, I always like if I, for my for my starting lineup to have one guy who sort of does the dirty work. And I guess that would be LeBlanc, um, you know, in this sense. So, yeah. if, you know, if you don't view LeBlanc in that way, then I think Mosley would be that fit. But if you, yeah, if LeBlanc is that guy, in essence, a player who will do the role he needs to do without necessarily getting shots, then, um, you know, th- then that does seem like a pretty reasonable look. And, and at a minimum, I would imagine, assuming that the p- assuming picket does, in fact, show transformation um, from where he was last year, you know, that, 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 that's probably the closing lineup, if nothing else. And, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting lineup, but, you know, again, um, you know, without going too, you know, far flung here, I mean, obviously, you know, all the teams now have, you know, broader scouting reports on, on those three freshmen, you know, McClung, you know, last year there were times where Ewing didn't feel comfortable playing him, late in games because his defense was, was rough. And Ewing said as much uh, the other day that, hey, you know, defense is going to be huge if, if this kid's going to, you know, maximize He needs his. him to try is what he said. <laughs> right. So, you know, so there's a lot of things that are still going to go into this. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's got some options. I think the kid from uh, um, the crap, Allen. Alexander. Oh, Allen was at Central which, Florida. I kept saying South Florida in my head. I'm like, that's not right. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I remember now seeing him in the uh, in the tournament. Uh, but the uh, – Yeah, exactly. Uh, Johnny Dawkins kid and everything. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, w- what's he at? Because I could imagine, you you know, you know, as a senior, I could have almost imagined Ewing at some point saying, hey, I kind of trust this guy. You know, maybe he doesn't have the potential these other kids do, but, like, he'll do what I want and all that. And, you know, we'll see how that factors in. I don't see them playing three guards with him – McClung or, or, or Akinjo just from like a size standpoint and all that. But, you know, he's another guy to, that could get that could get factored in somewhere. So there's a lot of – it's a lot of interesting decisions. But, yes, in terms of the starting five, I think you're probably right. It's four seem obvious, and then it's just the fifth guy, which um, I would lean towards Pickett uh, right now. The, the only thing I, w- I would go against myself on that is I do like to have someone on the bench that you feel like can come in and score. So if you do start Pickett, your bench is basically Allen. I guess it kind of turns to Blair at that point. It's like, who on your bench could you tap on the shoulder and go in there and start getting some points? Like Pickett could be that guy. I don't think, I don't think Mosley, Allen, any any of the freshman centers. Um, I guess we we don't really know what they have yet in terms of Gardner and Alexander. So that could be something that those guys are filling as well. But that is something usually, you know, because last year you could sort of tap, you know, there's there were at least a couple games where Mal- Malinowski was a guy that came in and filled it up off the bench. 
Uh, Blair not as much last year. Caleb actually did a pretty good job in spots. But you, so I, I like to have someone on the bench that, hey, this guy could actually go in there and start filling it up a little bit, which I think Pickett could do. And then, you know, like you said, starting and closing are completely different things. It's not necessarily the same lineup that's going to start that's going to end the game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, it's sort of the uh, um, to, to use a to use a Bill Simmons term, the, an irrational confidence guy. Who, when you're, you know, every team's going to go through stretches where they can't score, can't make a shot. They seem off, and you want a guy to come in who who seems to be oblivious to that. Jagan Mosley would not be that guy, but but Pickett maybe has some of that as well. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's uh, I think it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Um, to, to go back to your original question about what stood out. Um, there was a there was an answer by Patrick Ewing. I was just going to get to that. I was going to I was going to transition <laughs> from the kids to the coach, and I thought you probably probably asked the most interesting question, or you asked a question that got the most interesting answer. And I've actually I don't know if you have it, but I do have it transcribed out here. Um, but if you want to just paraphrase it, I'll go for it. Well, no, I mean start out. You know, tell them what what you asked. Oh sure. Uh, so basically, all the questions are some form of, "Hey, so what did, what, what, what have you seen improvement from this kid? What did you tell that kid to work on during the summer, et cetera?" And so I asked Ewing, "I'm like, look, I don't know how much you do some sort of a self evaluation, but basically, what, what was your takeaway on your own performance or anything you've thought to, to, to change, to do differently, whatever it may be going into the season?" And then he said. So he basically said, you don't have time. This job is 24-7, 365 days a year job. I don't have time to sit around thinking, well, what should I do? What should I have done? Or should I have done that? He said he's either talking to the team, trying to get them better, or he's out recruiting, trying to get the next crop of players to replace the ones that are leaving. So you don't really have time. I think that everything I've done ever since I've stopped playing has prepared me for this job that I have. And he's just trying to work to continue to develop those skills. So I think you were looking more of a, you know, because, you know, their record in close games hasn't been great under Ewing, um, particularly so the Syracuse games, both games, they were handily in the in the lead both times and both times the game escaped them. I think two years ago it was overtime at Capital One Arena, maybe Verizon Center then. And then last year, I know that we were, I think we did a podcast or like a YouTube, we were doing something during the Syracuse game last year and they were winning the whole time and then they did not win the game. So just sort of, you know, you know, yeah, I need to get better at this. Um, you know, I've, 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 I've looked at some things. This is where I think I can improve. And there wasn't really any of that. And I, part of me wondered, is that sort of, you know, obviously Patrick Ewing is an incredible competitor, one of the best players of all time. Is that sort of like what you would expect someone that's that competitive, that feels so confident about themselves to say, to not really let you inside the idea that maybe I was making mistakes, you know? Yeah, I think there's I think there's some of that. I mean, I think it's just you know you know it's funny. Uh, I get into this debate sometimes with people about on the NBA side, who would you rather see as the analyst? Would you rather see former players or former coaches slash just you know reporters? Right? Like what 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 do you want to see as that person? And I often think. I don't really want the players, largely because they view the world incredibly differently. I don't want those Chris Webber. Well, yes, agree agree with that. But like they, <laughs> they don't view the world the same way that we do, and and, and that's 
not their fault. It's not our fault. It's just the reality. They are they're in the arena. They're on the court. They have to sort of just block out the, the, some some of the realities that we do. They talk about next man up, and ninety percent of the time that is a hot garbage. Like in, in this, from the standpoint of yes, the next player has to come in and perform to the best of their abilities, and the team must bond together to to work it out to to help offset that 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 loss, especially if it's a really good, good player. It's not, but they often seem to take it as well. The next guy will be just how have to be as good as the, the player that comes in, and you know, obviously that's not realistic. And Ewing's response on some level talk or sounded like like some of that, like the idea of a guy who's not viewing the world the way we do. I, I, I talked to tons of coaches in all different sports, and they often talk about they spent their off season, they went to some clinic, they spoke to some former coach, current coach. You know, even if it's lip service, even if they don't necessarily mean that they rearrange their whole world because they had these conversations or thoughts, they at least ex- discuss it because that's just logical from our perspective. But from right. his perspective, that's not how he's doing it, clearly. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Mazel Tov for him. And, and hopefully, you know, th- th- there it's not like things haven't been going reasonably decently for Georgetown with him. I mean, all things, you know, factoring in, you know, as we all know, the – what what where he started and all that, but at the same point, yeah, they were not very good late in games um, in his first two seasons. And look, I mean, it's just it's all new. You just have would have to. I mean, he said he also said that his years of being an assistant in the NBA helped him prepare for some of this, and that's certainly true. But the NCA is also a different world, and uh, you would like to imagine that after being in this for two years, he thinks to himself, you know what, I've been doing, I've been running certain practices a certain way based on my NBA experience, and now maybe it makes more sense to do it this way in college or whatever it may be. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just an interesting response and just a, another way to sort of get into the mind of this person more so than I like, really have a sense of like what Georgetown's going to be about this year. I think the most we can see him sort of the changes that he's made, obviously, and is the, it was a topic that I asked, you know, the players individually, and then it was asked to the players when they were all up there together on the podium is, you know, hey, look, you guys have a pretty good schedule. So, you know, in terms of seeing him change and make corrections, you know, as he's going, the schedule has put them in a much better position. All the players are very excited about it. Akinjo, particularly so. And when I asked him if there's anyone, you know, if there's one team that stands out, he was just like, you know, there is, but I can't tell you type, type you know, type of thing. Oh, you know, it's fine. Just tell me. Obviously, he's not telling me and I totally understand it because you don't need bulletin board material. If he says it's Duke and they're not even scheduled to play Duke, they have to beat Texas first, you know, because then Syracuse is like, oh, look, they're looking at, you know, Duke instead. I, I get that. That's pretty normal um, ra- uh, rationale on his part. But, I, you know, I think that. I think that him, you know, coming up with a better schedule shows that he has done some self-reflecting and been like, hey, you know, we weren't even on the NIT bubble my freshman or my 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 freshman year, my first year coaching. And last year, you know, they weren't even a one C, even though they had a they had, you know, some good wins down the season, all that stuff. So I think the the correction in the schedule is is one sign that he is making changes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the other people who are really excited about that schedule are uh, two people on this on this uh, phone call. <laughs> As well as anybody who has a Georgetown season ticket plan, um, you know, because you're actually going to get some games this year. Uh, what, Penn State, Syracuse, right? Those are the highlights in terms of the home 
It is, but even you know, a sneaky good game is UNC Greensboro. You know, I mean, it's 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 not even like the headliners. It's even in some of the lower level games. You know, your guys come into town, the Retrievers. You know, they've got UNBC coming in. Um, it's just it's it's just a much better schedule. It's way better. Georgia State, we get to see our old friend Chris Kreider. I believe he's an assistant there. Um, so just in the, the 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 level of everything for the schedule has totally gone up. And he talked about how they really need to be ready when the season starts because there's no margin of error. And I thought about raising my hand and being like, well, this is actually that's not true. Like you do have a margin of error. Like it's not just about if you don't beat Syracuse, you're toast. Like you can lose that game now and you're okay. I know no one wants to hear that, but that's the whole point of having a good schedule is it's not no margin. You know what I mean? Like your margin of error increases. hundred, hundred percent. That was the, the big, the big, the big flaw. And uh, you know, I get, this is like, I, I'm a, anybody who reads my stuff on the athletic or pays attention to me on Twitter or, or just, you know, has ever met me or, or whatever. Like my big, one of my big things in, in just in general these days with sports and on some degree with life is about narratives and how narr- narratives are created and depending on who's shaping that narrative um, and, and if, and whether there's any pushback from the media or from fans or whatever, you know, these narratives can take hold, even if it's total gibberish. And like one of the things that always frustrates me is look, if you want to go have a bad schedule, from an RPI uh, standpoint or whatever we're calling that thing these days, strength of schedule, just whatever. Um, if you want to have a bad one because you think you need to build up confidence of your team and so on, that's cool. And you don't even have to state anything more. You know, you don't have to say, uh, you don't have to, to say, yeah, we, we understand we may stink this year and this and that and the other. And that's why we went with a bad schedule. That's fine. But don't tell me you're simultaneously trying to make the tournament if you're doing that. Because that's nonsense. There's no way that Georgetown was making the tournament last year, playing the schedule they did without winning all the big games. Right. That's well, the reality. And and now, like you said, they have an opportunity. I mean that that the the, the tournament in in New York with Texas and maybe Duke, whatever. I mean that's like a much. I mean, you know, this is a school that turned down the huge. Nike invita- Invitational two years ago. Yeah. Um. To to now do this is a good is an important is an important step. And you know, I don't think Penn State some like great school by any stretch, but it's a big 10 school. They're obviously going to just based on their own conference. will have a pretty decent strength of schedule and, and things and like that. It's going to so, be a tough game. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, so you put all together and, you know, now Georgetown can say legitimately, Hey, you know, we think we are an NCAA tournament team and we hope to, to prove that our schedule is going to give us a shot. And that's a good thing. The other one was just nonsense. And, you know, sorry for calling it out as you did as well. And people who didn't want to hear that, like, I don't know what to tell you, but that's just the reality. But now, yes, they have a shot. I'm not saying they're making the tournament. We'll see what happens. As well, hey, go. I mean, that's the way we're going to end this. That's the way we're going to end oh, this. Is go for it. They're picked. They're 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 sort of all over the um all over the map. I think it's Andy Katz who seems to be the most high on them. It's either Andy Katz or Seth Davis. Um, I think it's Katz is the most high on them. But then you know, Big East Media Day, they were picked seventh, so that's not necessarily great. Although seven teams in this 10-team league have made the tournament before. So it's not – seventh is sort of like you're on the bubble, probably on the wrong side of the bubble, but it's possible that you can make the tournament. So it's year three. Ewing's got all the players that he's recruited um, outside of uh, Mosley, the one four-year senior. I think it's really important for the program to make the tournament, and I think they are going to be on the bubble. And I think – and maybe it's just because I've wanted the schedule to be good for so long – I think what's going to push them over the finish line is the schedule. I think they're going to be, they're going to be like an eight, nine, ten seed, and they're going to make the tournament in Patrick Ewing's third year. 
Um, I like I like I like the optimism. You, you studied the overall situation closer than I have. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I've seen the the predictions where you know, like a John Rothstein thinks they're like a top twenty-five team, but then the Big East voters would say they have the seventh. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind they're, of all over. They're the place. fifty-six in Ken Palm. Gotcha. Yeah. So you know, I, I think you know it goes back to you know the fact that three of their key returning players are freshmen means that the potential for significant improvement exists. Now, also, there's all, you know, we all often hear about sophomore slumps, so it's also possible that good things go the other way. The, the, the variables are pretty significant, and I would put, sort of put Pickett in there as, as well. So, you know, there is legitimate potential for upside. And I also think a lot of times these broad voters will look at a situation and say, hey, Jesse Golan left. He led them in all these categories. Statistically, he was great for, for all his time at Georgetown. Yeah, okay, I get it. They're bringing in this transfer from NC State, but how good, you know, can he replace Govan? And, you know, people at Georgetown will tell you yes and then some. So, you know, I, I suspect that probably they're being a, t- a tick underrated if we're talking sevens. So just to be optimistic, Bobby, I don't want anyone to accuse me of being a Debbie Downer. <clears throat> I will I've, follow your I've lead. certainly never done that. No, no, never. Um, I will follow your lead and say that, yes, the schedule, obviously they're going to have to win some of those games. But the schedule gives them, um, put, put, puts them over the top, and I don't know where they'll finish in the Big East, but we'll just say that come uh, come March Madness, Georgetown is on the on the good side of the bubble. Yeah, I think they are going to get in, and uh, it's going to make a lot of people happy, and it's going to be a big step for Patrick Ewing, and I think it's going to, you know, it's like everything, you know, how do you get better recruits? How do you get better games? All these things, they all sort of, how do you get in those better preseason tournaments? It's all a factor of a successful season, and you got to figure it out, and I think that this particular group is his most deep, it's his most talented, and I think that they are going to figure it out, and it's going to come down to defense, but um, Ben, I want to thank you for coming on. Kente Corner, you can find him as one of the great writers for The Athletic. He'll be, I know he'll be covering Georgetown some, but he does a lot of, he obviously focuses on the NFL, the Redskins, and the NBA, and the Wizards. We know we'll see him out there um, at Capital One Arena. It's at Ben Standing at Twitter. He tweets a couple times a day, so you got to try and find those. Um, You can find Kente Corner, as always, on Spotify, iTunes, all the places that you would look for your podcasting. Um, all right, Ben, thanks a lot. Somebody isolate the part where Bobby called me great. I need that for my return. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right, Ben, I'll see you.